Hello everyone, uh, I'm Fatma Al-Bastiki, the host of Bahrain Economist Society. We're very happy to be back today in our podcast and we'll talk about a very trendy topic, FinTech, financial technology, as defined by the World Bank as advances in technology that have the potential to transform the provision of financial services, spurring the development of new business models, applications and processes and products. Um, there's a lot of debate, there's a lot of discussion, so uh, to talk further about this, we're very happy to have today with us Dr. Helmi Hamdi. He's a senior economist at the Central Bank of Bahrain, an adjunct professor of economics at the London School of Economics and, Inter and Political Science International Program. He's also a senior country risk expert at the Euromoney Country Risk uh, London, in addition to a lot more uh, of his expertise. We're very happy to have you here with us, Doctor, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Fatma. Thanks for having me here and you. The pleasure. Thank you so much. So let's start with the starting point. We hear a lot about FinTech and a lot of people talk about it, but when did it all start and when did it emerge as a field and as an industry? Uh, there is a debate. Okay, so let's start first of all with uh, the word FinTech, which is an abbreviation of two words. Fin, which is, uh, refers to uh, financial and tech is technology. So financial technology is a term to simply describe innovation uh, in technology that are applied in, in uh, on finance uh, or of financial sectors. So uh, the first thing to, to mention here is that there is no universal definition of the term FinTech. Okay. So, as you mentioned, the World Bank in 2018 and also in 2020, they said that it is simply the advances of, on, um, uh, in technology that have meaning that there are new products, new services, and a new business model. So, the term fintech includes a huge range of products that are new, uh, new technology and new businesses that are changing the financial services today. It refers to everything from cashless payment to crowdfunding platforms to robo-advisors to virtual currency and so on. So the world fintech is not new because finance and technology have been closely connected uh, throughout history and have evolved into what fintech is today. So for some uh, observers or some economists, researchers, academicians, they said that fintech, given the definition uh, proposed by the IMF and the World Bank is that given that fintech means advanced technology and, and financial services. So this is not new because in 1960, they said this was the first for some uh, in terms of finance here. We can say that with the launch of dinner clubs in 1960, it could be the first state of fintech. Mm -hmm. uh, nine years later, in 1969, with um, uh, uh, the launch of uh, Credit um, American Express, it's also fintech. So they quantified, they tried to um, mention all the innovations in financial sectors, you know, and financial services and all the channels throughout the history from 1950 for the first observers. So they said this one is we call it uh, FinTech 1.0, or we should characterize by digitizing finance. So for them, the first wave was from 1950-1960 till 2000. Mm -hmm. The second wave, which is FinTech 2.0, mm -hmm. starts in 1999 to 2000 with uh, the launch of the so-called PayPal, 
mm-hmm. till 2014. Mm-hmm. Okay, during that period, like 80 in 2006, especially 80% of banks they have online platform. There is uh, the launch of credit card, debit card, and they became very famous. And uh, the preferred means of payments, ATM everywhere, and so on. Then they said, the fintech third wave 3.0 is the one uh, from 2014 till today. Mm-hmm. So with especially the use of technology of blockchain and Bitcoin and so on. We call this the decentralized finance. So for the first part of observers, academician and financial researcher, I would say, they said first one is digitizing finance. Second phase is or wave is the embedding finance. And the third one is the decentralizing finance. For some others, they said, given the ease, I would say, of definition proposed by the IMF and the World Bank as a reference, in fact, they said, technology exists, technology, the association between technology and finance exists since 1865 till 1966. Why? Because they said, remember that time, there is the launch of the first connection cable, Mm. which is the transatlantic cable between the... uh, uh, Europe and uh, and the US, and they said, this is a fintech, given the, given, uh, uh, the proper definition of the uh, of the, the world fintech. They said this, this is what's what the first one, phase one, phase two is from 1967 to 2008. It's the bright area of digitization of the debit card, credit card, and so on. The third point zero, which is the third phase, is from 2008-2014, which is the period of the global financial crisis and how this uh, crisis changed banks, uh, bank model regulation and so on. From 2014-2017, it's almost the same as the previous one, okay, but they call it 3.50 because of the introduction of blockchain financial sector and financial enterprise and financial institutions. And the last one from 2017 till today, this one is the 4.04. And there are many others, in fact, they said there is no single definition for the fintech. There is no universal anonymous definition of fintech. So there is no, everyone has its own source, you know. For some other, for example, they said in terms of technology and finance, they said for, uh, they analyzed this in terms of uh, channels of payment, of means mm-hmm. of payment. That's, for example, in 1950, there is credit card, which is the ease of burden and carrying cash. Mm-hmm. And 1960, 10 years later, there is the ATM, the mm-hmm. appearance of the ATM. Ten years later, 1970, there is the uh, the first electronic uh, um, stock trading in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Ten years later, in 1980s, the bank mainframe computer, you know, sophisticated data and recording and so on. In 1990s, it is the internet and the, and, and the launch of the e- e-commerce and the e-bills and so on, called this the, the, the click and mortar. So mm-hmm. the move from the brick and mortar to the click and mortar. Mm-hmm. And finally, the, the last phase of fintech is the one of today, which is digitize their retail, uh, financial service, and so on. So as you can see, so there are, what you can conclude, there is no single definition of fintech, mm-hmm. the easiest way to say the application that advances mm-hmm. in financial technology and their application in, in the financial industry. Mm-hmm. And second, there is no single, uh, you know, we cannot say the origin is uh, 1960 or 1950 mm-hmm. or 1866 or 1965. Mm-hmm. There are too many sources. So this is to answer to your question. Mm-hmm. Also, I want to say that the last phase, in fact, from 2014, is the one that has received the most important deal of attention right. by, by everyone. Yeah. And I think during the period of the pandemic mm-hmm. uh, was one of the reasons why 
uh, fintech uh, became very successful and became very well known mm-hmm. all around the world, not only in Bahrain. Yeah, you're right. And as you said, maybe we could not, because of the generic definition, we cannot coin it to a certain year. But um, I think in general, it's the advance and the, our, uh, you know, we always try to, uh, to advance services. So what are the drivers of fintech? Why, is it, why have we seen very quick implementation and so many improvements over the years? What do you think drives fintech? Simply because of the acceptability mm-hmm. of, of fintech. So people, they accepted these type of innovation because it is because of the advantages mm-hmm. uh, these fintech uh, have. A lot of advantages, like for example, accessibility, it's searchable to everyone, mm-hmm. affordable, it is simple to use and uh, comprehend, uh, there's ease of payment, uh, mm-hmm. secure, it's also beneficial for us as consumer, for businesses, because mm-hmm. they sell more and we are happy to stay home and we order, for example, any type of right. food or coffee or whatever, and also banks. They enjoy fintech because they improve their financial, uh, I would say, services. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are more close to their client, their customers, so they know their customer well and more. Also for uh, the management of the cash, because mm-hmm. we shifted from the cash-based economy to in somehow the so-called mm-hmm. cashless payment society. And you know very well that the management of cash is extremely a headache for banks. Mm-hmm. Imagine, you know. When I was living in France, it was one of the topics of my PhD. I did um, a survey and I went to a parking, Vinci parking, and they asked the number of guys, the parking, you know, so mm-hmm. all the people, they put coins. And the manager there, he told me that every week he had like 1.2 to 1.5 tons of mm-hmm. coins every week. Mm-hmm. And he said, the problem is the headache. The headache is he has to transport all, all right. This quantity of money to uh, from uh, these boxes mm-hmm. to the central bank or to the banks, in fact, in order to count and so on. So mm-hmm. it's a headache. It takes a long, 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 uh, uh, long way, mm-hmm. uh, too much time, and yeah. it is very expensive. He said. So imagine mm-hmm. the move now to a card when you can pay without without the cash. So mm-hmm. uh, so that's why I said it is practical. A lot of advantages for us as a client, as the customers for uh, the enterprises they service because of the management of, of money, because they sell more mm-hmm. efficiency as well for banks because of the management of this cash and also for the central bank because of all transactions done electronically mm-hmm. are recorded. Right. So there is the so-called the trustability, so they know where money goes. Mm-hmm. From a little bit of theory, you know, there is the so-called quantitative theory, theory of money. Mm-hmm. So there is so-called the velocity of money. The velocity of money, when money is paid by cash, you cannot detect if I give Fatima 10 BD. Mm-hmm. No one saw that I give Fatima 10 BD. But yeah. if I give Fatima by Fowry Plus or mm-hmm. by card or whatever, you know, yeah. so there is, it's recorded. So central bank can manage well mm-hmm. the quantity of money uh, inside, the, inside the economy. So all these advantages makes fintech very successful mm-hmm. and are drivers mm-hmm. of this application and these innovations all over the world. Moreover, you know, I give you an example, for example, of, uh, of Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Nigeria invests in fintech a lot of money and generated in 2018 about 1.5 billion uh, US dollar in terms mm-hmm. of revenue and creating 23,000 jobs 
mm. from 2000, like more than five years, I would say. Yeah. So now we have fintech that contributes to the economy, which is to economic growth and somehow mm -hmm. by adding more money, by creating jobs, so it became driver of economic growth. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That's interesting. And as you said, maybe uh, a lot of people benefit, and especially banks, as they're able to reach their clients. But uh, does it also, in some sense, is it a disruptive force for banking sector in particular? As we've seen, we've seen a lot of telecommunication companies joining and competing with banks very recently. So can we see it as a competitor? Is it a disruptive force? Or does it actually enhance banking experience for the bankers and the clients? Very good question, yeah. Well, so uh, increasing use of technology, financial services, has led definitely to the disruption mm. of what? Of the traditional mm. channels. Yeah. Just, I, I just uh, give you an example now of paying by cash or paying by check. Who pays by check now? It's very rare. Mm. You know, even Bahrain, for Scandinavia, they forgot it since uh, uh, early uh, 20th you know, mm. uh, century. Yeah. For some other countries like the Netherlands and Germany, they forgot about it at all, but by, by check. So there is a disruption in the traditional financial services. So we can see this change from the way uh, traditional banks are adopting to the new change with their own innovative uh, financial products and, uh, and instruments. So it provides this bank with innovative way to transform their businesses without replacing the core traditional services mm. or functions. Yeah. Meaning the bank has mainly three functions, collecting deposit, giving the deposit as a loan, and the management of cash. Mm -hmm. So before there is a way, traditional way, how to collect money and how to give a loan and how to manage the payment services, uh, payment systems overall. Mm -hmm. So now with the use of FinTech new technology, there is another way of asking for a loan, asking for depositing money. Mm -hmm. You know, you can go to an ATM next to your door and you can deposit, you can, you know, uh, um, transfer money and you go whatever you want in one-stop shop. Mm -hmm. Instead of uh, going, you know, you lose the, the transport and so on and time and so on. So banks are here still, their traditional functions are here. But with the use of FinTech, the normal or the traditional, or I would say the old, Channels have been changing right. using mm -hmm. the technology, mm -hmm. as we can say, Fauri or Fauri Plus. Mm -hmm. Before, if you want to send to someone $100 or 100 BD, you have to go to a bank. Now you mm -hmm. can use your phone and you will right. do it in one or two seconds mm -hmm. only. So the continuity of the finance services are here, but mm -hmm. improved. Mm -hmm. As for the competition, okay, it is very, it's an association, in fact, because even if telecommunication company, they offer one innovative way, we have to go back again to the bank because right. banks have the legal tender and banks are the only place when a client mm -hmm. can take care of her money or can deposit the money there. Mm -hmm. So meaning that banks exist, telecommunication, there is the competition in, in, in the way they are, um, they are giving the financial services this one is better than this one. Even now, between the between the, uh, the operators as well, you know, in Bahrain we have three or more different types of wallets. So there is the competition between. But after all, you have to go, go back by to the bank in order mm -hmm. to transfer money. So money, my, I mean, bank still there. Mm -hmm. The financial company is still there. 
they operate through there. If there is a competition, is in terms of innovation, in terms of the quality mm -hmm. of the innovation, so that to attract more clients and more customers of other mm -hmm. bank to catch customers of other bank. Mm -hmm. And this is how it works in the financial industry uh, mm -hmm. today. So it's great. It's just transforming the way we do banking in a better way. Um, I think the next question would be something key with fintech is we've been able to reach to a lot of people. We can see that everywhere, be it little shops, um, young entrepreneurs, clients within our families and friends, everybody is using, as you said, Power Plus or be it the different wallets. So how did fintech enhance financial inclusion and banking the unbanked, as you could say? And we want a few examples if you could give us maybe in developing countries in particular. So what are the implications and how has it helped in increasing financial inclusion and hence economic uh, growth? Well, first of all, I would define, try to give a simple and easy definition mm -hmm. of financial inclusion, mm -hmm. which is simply to make people, uh, to make the financial services uh, accessible, reachable to everyone, which is an extremely headache and it is extremely complicated since ever, I'll not say since the past 10 or 20 or uh, the past century. Why researchers investigated that topic to understand why people that don't have a bank, uh, bank, uh, bank account or don't have financial services, simply because of the cost in yeah. some countries, okay? Give you an example of Nigeria in 2014, the data that I had on that time. To open a bank account, you need to have fees like 200 US dollar, yeah. while that time, the GDP per capita is less than 200 US dollars. So who will open a bank well, account? So yeah. people are excluded from the financial sector, meaning that 12%, the conclusion, 12% only of Nigerians have a bank account because of, it's not affordable. Mm -hmm. Some other example in other African countries, there are only five banks mm -hmm. and there are retail all of the banks. Three of them are located in the city center mm -hmm. and two, one on the north, one on the south. So people, to deposit their bank account, to go ask for a loan or whatever, it's extremely headache, you know, they need to travel, and to waste time and so on. It's not practical and all. Or to withdraw money, they need to do like travel. It's become like a travel, you know, it's trip. So these are some of the reasons, the cost especially, which is extremely unaffordable and the proximity. There is no, you know, when there is an ATM next to your door, it is much easier for you to withdraw money and to use any bank product. When you don't have that, that story. So, the financial inclusion is how to make all these financial services accessible to these people. Normally, the rural people or poor people. Poor mm -hmm. people because of the cost, rural people because of there is no proximity, there is no retail banks, there is no ATM, and there is no any, uh, any available channel at all. So the financial inclusion is measured by three dimensions. The first is the access to financial services. The second is the usage. And the third is the, quali the quality of a product and the service delivery. A shocking data released recently, recently meaning 2020, by the World Bank, saying that 1.7 billion of people around the world, they are unbanked, they don't have access to the basic financial services, example, credit card, debit card, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Don't have a credit card, debit card, don't need to go to ATM because you don't have, so we don't have a bank account, don't mm -hmm. have anything. 200, more than 200 million of Smaller and medium enterprises and micro enterprises, they say they don't have any access to the financial services, which is very shocking, especially in poor countries, rural countries, and I would say, of course, African countries and South Asian countries. So 
this is very shocking, as you can see. So 1.7 adults, not even young or whatever, adults people don't have a bank account, which is not bank account, they don't have access at all. At the same time, in these countries, especially the European countries and some Asian countries, mobile phone and internet connectivity mm -hmm. are very high. The penetration mm -hmm. of both is very high. As an example, I have a lot of examples, but say, for example, the example of Kenya. Mm -hmm. Kenya, for example, is the leading country in terms of adoption and application of digital payments. Okay, so in 2007, the very famous Vodafone group and Safaricom, the largest mobile phone network in Kenya, they launched the so-called M-Pesa. M-Mobile, Pesa is the money of okay. Kenya. Designate as a branchless banking services. Okay, so users of M-Pesa can deposit money, withdraw money, transfer money, and can they do the basic uh, financial activities using a mobile device. In 2020, so 2007, okay. in 2020, M-Pesa has 42 million active customers who have carried out over 12 billion transactions. Mm -hmm. This application, the M-Pesa, expanded to neighboring countries, Tanzania, you know, Mozambique, the Congo, Lesotho, Ghana, Egypt, and so on. There is a study in 2016 that showed that since 2008, access to mobile money services has increased the daily per capita consumption level of 194,000 Kenya household, which are about 2% of the total, which is incredible, lifting them out of extreme poverty. Another data from the same survey showing that uh, female-headed families saw even more significant increases in consumption than male-headed households, and an estimated 185,000 women moved from farming to business occupation, wow. which is incredible. So this is the power of, we have, we don't have bank account, we have like 17% only of Kenyan before 2007 have bank account. There is penetration of internet connectivity and high rate of mobile phone. Consequently, the cooperation, the investment in fintech between banks and uh, the Safari Common Vodafone, you see the consequences when we say that people they left out of uh, of the extreme poverty means a lot when I said the consumption increases by it increases, we know the first one comes to macroeconomics the economic growth equation the y equal to c plus the c is the consumption mm -hmm. the first thing is so the more people they involved, the more people we consume the more people consume the more people they produce and this is the economic activity how it works another example of india India, the, uh, the country dem uh, democratized financial services and uh, accelerated the deployment of uh, digital public good infrastructures and promote financial inclusion. And uh, India has the, the highest fintech uh, adoption rate of 87% as opposed to the global average of 64%. No. Mm -hmm. And a lot of fintech company, like for example, Easy Pay, uh, Jekisan, P-Switch, uh, and so on. They focused on rural on farmers and so on because they are very far of the main cities and there is no uh, branches, there is no ATM, there is nothing. Same for some uh, South Asian countries, you know, uh, like they have 73% of the population 
uh, estimate to be unbanked. 73 is too much. Imagine money under mattresses, you know. Imagine the to find a solution to move this money out from their boxes to into the economy, what will happen? So a lot of money will be uh, available at banks when there is money, meaning that and, um, there is a loan, there is uh, more consumption and so on. So in 2019, there is a survey of almost 5,000 uh, consumer and merchant in the region, you know, in uh, South uh, Asia, found that unbanked borrowers can utilize alternative data such as e-commerce transactions to uh, to prove credit uh, worthiness. And one of the, the famous application there is the so-called the Grab uh, the Grab Pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has received a great deal of attention, a huge acceptability by Thai people, by Indonesia, and so on. And within uh, eight years, you know, some countries like, for example, Laos, the use of these new platforms increased uh, uh, the banked people uh, by 40 percent, 27 percent for, for example, Thailand, 41 percent for the Philippines, 14 percent for Malaysia and so on. So you see, this is one of the way how to move people from out of finance into the banking sector and you can see of course when someone start using financial services meaning that for purchasing for goods and services for consumption and so on so the more there's a consumption you know in general the more producers are happy they produce more and when they produce more they hire more so there's creation of jobs and so on when you link all together, you see that the economy overall will uh, enjoy all the new trend mm-hmm. and the benefit of the association between the financial services, mm-hmm. financial companies, banks, and the telecommunication operators. As you can see, telecommunication operators, they play a huge role today as compared to, I say, 20 years ago. Right. Now they're one of the pillars of the economic growth, telecommunication companies, because of the facility they are offering, of the channels, I have a mobile phone. Without mobile phone, I cannot use benefit pay. But yeah. I have benefit pay. Without mobile phone, I cannot use. So both of them, it's like a cooperation between both of them, between both companies. Banks have nothing to do with uh, telecommunication. Telecommunication have nothing to do with banks. But as you put together, they give, uh, and they will give bright future for these poor countries, developing countries, and so on, especially for rural households mm-hmm. all around the world. So that's why fintech is uh, and fintech application mm. investing in in fintech is is a must, is mm. the right and it is the uh, it's the hope to bank the unbanked people in these poor countries so that they can enjoy the financial services they can use their phone they can use internet to buy and to make life easier to them. I really like the examples and it seems like fintech is the solution and it would help economic growth, but. What's the future of fintech? Should we be concerned? Are there any concerns with fintech? Of course, yeah. Unfortunately, there are a lot of problems, like any any growing industry. Fintech isn't without risk. You know, some regulators, they have struggled to keep up with uh, the fast pace of innovation. Many problems, I will not go into detail, you know, uh, but uh, like, for example, data privacy, which is a major concern. As more financial services go digital, so there is the problem of cyber attack. 
has become like a headache now for everyone, not only for regulator, but not only for consumer or for producers, you know. You can receive a call from someone telling you that I am your banker, right. send me. So this is one of the risks, you know. Fintech is what? This is the use of the phone and telling me that mm-hmm. how he knows my phone, how he knows that I have, for example, a bank account. So this is one of, uh, one of the issues. Another problem is the data breaches, you know, due to weak cybersecurity infrastructure, which is also a significant risk, you know. Give an example, recent example, 2020. Indonesia uh, experienced over 80 million, 88 to be to be precise, cyber attacks. You know, so um, this is uh, an enormous problem that not threat fintech, but encourage fintech IT regulator altogether to work on improving their supervision, their uh, way to block all these attacks, and it was successful in many countries. You know, when you watch the TV, you see, for example, this country stopped like number amount, even in Bahrain, you see, interior stopped like or detected certain number of, mm-hmm. of, uh, of attack. Of course, in the future, there will be a lot, many other types, okay? They will not keep using the same attack, but the more the technology evolves, the more cyber criminality, you know, in general, by using the cyber, you know, they will use a way to, to escape the regulation. And this is how it, uh, it evolves. But let's look at uh, the positive side of fintech, which is finally a way that was wait for a long time to make people enjoy the financial services and to do regular purchases and regular transactions, you know, as other people. And you will see in the future how it will be. <laughs> exactly. And I think there's nothing without cost and nothing without risk, and it will keep on evolving. This has been an enriching discussion. Thank you so much, Dr. Helmi, for joining us. Thank you so much. Pleasure of mine.